The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. Listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. Welcome to Prescriptions for Healing Conflict. I'm Lloyd, I'm the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank. Mari's been an attorney mediator for 26 years, and during that time, she's resolved thousands of disputes as a neutral conflict healer. She's a member of the Orange County Superior Court Mediation Panel, and she's been a law professor of negotiations and mediation, and presently teaches negotiations right here at UCI. She's the author of Negotiations Breakthroughs and co-author of Stepping Stones to Success and several other books. To listen to previous interviews, see upcoming guests, download podcasts, and learn more, visit www.conflicthealing.com. So, Mari, what's your show about today? Well, our show is about healing conflict, which you know, because the name of our show is Prescriptions for Healing Conflict. But we're also going to be interviewing an author of a book called Healing Conflict, and someone who does workshops on conflict as an opportunity for conscious growth. And this woman is a soul sister of mine in that we both have a very similar approach to how we want to help people to move on with their lives in peace and in collaboration. And so I want to tell you a little bit about Arezu Cohen. And Arezu Cohen was a civil litigator in private practice for over a decade before she found her calling as a mediator and a life coach. She's volunteered in the emergency room at Cedars-Sinai's Hospital in Los Angeles, and she served as a judge pro tem in the Los Angeles Superior Court, and she externed for the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals with Judge Arthur Alarcon, and she built a house in Guatemala with Habitat for Humanity and she trekked the Annapurna Mountains in Nepal. She backpacked through Yosemite, and she traveled to over 20 countries. She fled her own country of origin during a revolution, and she studied international law at Sorbonne University in Paris, and she was the founding president of the board of directors for Outposts for Contemporary Art. So she has a varied approach to life and lots of great experiences and she is also the author of this book that i have in my hand called healing conflict a how-to guide for resolving disputes through higher consciousness and she leads workshops on conflict as an opportunity for conscious growth you can learn more about her and her book at arezu cohenlaw.com that's a-r-e-z-o-u K-O-H-A-N law.com. So thank you, Arezu, for joining us today. It's a, it's a pleasure to have you. Thank you, Mari. It's great to be here. I don't, I don't know. When, when I read your book, I just thought this is, this is someone who we are on a similar wavelength on the same path. I don't know if you thought that when you looked at the website. Awesome. Awesome. No, I have a, I have a connection with all mediators. I think that we are definitely are 
souls are in the right place. Uh, I think so, too. So why don't you tell us about how it came to be that you left litigation and you found your way to mediation? You know, it was really important to me to do something that I believe in, and I had been a a litigator for about 15 years, and I gave up a very lucrative law practice to become a mediator and a life coach because it was becoming really clear to me as a litigator that conflict's not so much about money as it is about the underlying emotions. And it was also becoming very clear to me that the justice system just does not provide a forum for people to express and resolve their underlying emotions. So, you know, for example, in one of my cases, I had a very, con- um, a very tough lawsuit with a very difficult client, and I made a lot of money off of it, but I knew as soon as it settled that it really hadn't been resolved. The case uh, would have kept on going on, and the people would have more to fight about, new things to fight about, because they hadn't processed what the case and their emotions were really about. And that's just because the justice system, I found, doesn't have a forum for that to happen. No. I just felt like there was a better way to do this. And for me, mediation is that way. It's just such a beautiful way for people. For example, I had a catnapping case where one um, woman uh, took a neighbor's cat out of state. And I put them in the same room and I did counsel with them. And they spoke their truth and felt heard. And, it, you know, they were really able to complete and heal that hurt and that's what it means to heal is to bring together you know something that's broken and wounded and bring it back together and so i feel that mediation provides that healing that's missing from our system and exactly. that's what i want to bring yeah I, you know when you were talking about being heard i think that is a, a huge issue because what happens when your clients are deposed they can't really you know, they're, they're on the line. They know that, that someone is looking for information to try and destroy them, not really hearing them because you want to understand them. And the same thing happens when they're put on the witness stand. They're, they're asked questions that they have to answer yes or no. They can't really be heard. And so that is the beauty of mediation. And the other beauty is that it's confidential so that they can really express what they're feeling, whether it's crying or telling, um, like you were talking about, telling their truth, that it's in a confidential way so that they don't feel embarrassed, that they don't feel that they're being judged in a way that could be hurtful to them later. Absolutely. Absolutely. 100%. I feel that what happens is that, you know, a lot of emotions, they just need to be processed. And once they um, are say what they feel out loud to someone and they feel validated and the other person uh, feels that, you know, they're, they're really trying to understand their point of view and where they're coming from, these strong emotions kind of evaporate and they dissipate. And what happens is that the case becomes no longer so hard to settle. You know, parties are mo- mostly, they, want, they don't want this, this conflict in their lives and they have the ability better than even the judges or the attorneys to solve their own problems and be creative. And, you know, there, there's so much choice in, in mediation and self-determination and freedom in it. I just, I just think it's beautiful. 
And it's so empowering for the clients. You know, when we, when we have, and I stopped litigating about 15 years ago, 17 Mm -hmm. years ago myself. So I can really relate, but I think people don't understand that when you're in litigation, you're looking at blame. You're looking at the past. Mm -hmm. When you're in mediation, you're looking at what the situation is now and how can we make it better for the future. So it's a whole different mindset. One is looking at positions and blaming and and who's right and who's wrong, blame and guilt, blame and guilt. Mm -hmm. And mediation is looking at how do we make how do we make this work for everybody? How do we, how do we get a resolution that everybody can live with and we feel good about it? We can move on with our lives and let this stuff go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, you know, more than anything, I think that, you know, mediators, you and I are just facilitators and uh, a voice of reason and compassion. And we really, really want to help. And, I think that's also what I want to do in my book is to really have people take a deeper look at themselves and do the internal work and process these emotions, strong emotions, so that they're not um, blinded by them and they're not, you know, they're not you know, doing things out of emotion, out of reaction, but really being able to think things through for themselves. Yes, and I think that's what's so great about what we're taught uh, to be as mediators is when you were talking a minute ago about facilitating, we're facilitating to empower our clients to think things through and propose solutions that will meet their needs, their concerns, their interests, and the other sides. Mm-hmm. Whereas, mm-hmm. you know, in litigation, you don't do that. You're not, you're only thinking about how can you get the other side. You're not mm-hmm. thinking about empowerment. You have to really delegate what's going on to your attorney. Your attorney mm-hmm. is the one who's speaking and arguing for you. Mm-hmm. And, and you're letting a judge impose. So you are really you know, disempowering yourself when you go to, through the court system. I, I 100% I believe in it, I, that's in what you're just saying. There's no choice in the litigation when you have someone else decide for you your fate and your future. And with mediation, you know, you, you, what happens is that when people have actually actively played a role in their future and in the outcome, they're more likely to stick to it, the, whatever the arrangement is or the agreement, rather than having someone shove it down their throat through any other means. So when they're doing it and they have, uh, they're empowered and they are actually involved in the process, then they're more likely to, you know, keep the agreement. Yeah, they're going to be more committed. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just natural human. I mean, think about it. If you're sitting listening to this and, and you're in the audience, you think if somebody tells you to do something, you don't feel like doing it. Mm-hmm. But if you make the choice to do something, then there's a commitment. And Absolutely. without commitment, you don't do anything. Absolutely. And I think that's so American, you know, the freedom of choice. That's, yes. that's a Mary, that's, that's what it's about. And, and that's something that's not in the system right now. And, you know, it's a shame. Yeah. You know, I was talking recently with some friends about what we all do when we're in the midst of conflict, whether it's our own conflict or whether like you and I, obviously that's what we do every day is we sit in the midst of conflict mm-hmm. <laughs> and we are supposed to be the, the centering being, but you know, sometimes if it gets hot, it's, it's almost contagious. You have to be careful. Mm-hmm. And so um, let's talk about when, when we're faced with really tough conflict, uh, what do we do? To, to clear our mind, to, to stay centered, and then have some guidance. Mm-hmm. What do you do? 
You know, I actually, I, I've thought this through because I actually try to walk my talk and do the, some of the exercises and follow my own advice in my book. And I see conflict as a, as a natural thing, as an opportunity for growth, really. And so what I like to do is, first and foremost, I like to take a long walk or a hike or anything that's going to cool me off, you know, or let me blow off steam and process my feelings so that I'm not in a fight or flight kind of mode. But Yeah, reaction. Yeah. Yes. And rather, you know, step back and so I can respond to the situation. And, and then I do my inner work. I actually, there's a... Uh, exercise that I do, which is mirroring, and I actually ask myself, what is it that's really bothering me about the other side and that this person? And, you know, how am I, and I turn it around to myself, how am I doing that in my life? Right. So if someone's, you know, if I'm feeling someone's disrespecting me, okay, well, how am I disrespecting people in my life? And in particular, how am I disrespecting the person that that I'm in conflict with? Yes. And so I turn it back around, and, you know, A, that gives me compassion when I see, you know, myself in the other person. And aren't we mirrors for each other Totally. Yeah. Totally. Yes. And we're just, you know, all kind of human beings, all flawed and trying to make our way in the world. And so that gives me kind of a perspective. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and... You know, when you were talking about you, you ask yourself that question. Another question that, that I often ask myself is, let's say I'm not being disrespectful to someone else, but they're being disrespectful to me or I'm angry at them for some reason. Mm-hmm. It's it's often, you know, a spouse or a child, you know, <laughs> someone close to you that we get our, our greatest practice, right? Mm-hmm. They're um, our greatest teachers. Yeah, our greatest teachers are sometimes our most difficult people in our lives Mm -hmm. and and I say to myself if I'm not doing what they're doing I'll say well what part of this is me Mm -hmm. what am I allowing Mm -hmm. or what Mm -hmm. boundaries am I not watching absolutely yeah so so it's it's critical when we are people who are trying to resolve conflict and help people to facilitate their own conflict that that we do need to be models we do need to walk our talk we do need to practice all these things as well Let's talk about when we are actually in a mediation. Let's kind of share some some secrets that we have that that are helpful. Um, for example, for me, I'll just share one of mine, and then you could share yours, and we could kind of let people know what we do. Okay. Um, one of the things that I've learned is that when when things get heated up, and I can see that the people are very emotional, which mm-hmm. you know, just because they're in mediation doesn't mean that they're happy go lucky. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, one of the things that I do is I deliberately and consciously focus on releasing the tightness in my belly. Hmm. <laughs> and when I do that, it's like I'm centered. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I feel myself kind of like reacting without saying anything, I don't say anything, but when I feel myself kind of reacting to their anger, mm-hmm. I immediately turn my attention to my solar plexus in my belly Mm. and I immediately say to myself, let go, let the muscles go right now, let them go. And it seems to put me back in a place of 
shielding myself with this energy that I'm not that I'm able to not absorb it. Mm-hmm. It's just a little something that works for me. Okay, good, good. I'll have to try that on. Yeah. Now, if you're the type of person that maybe it you feel it in your shoulders because some people do that. I just seem to always get it in my solar plexus. Mm-hmm. But some people get like really tight in their shoulders, mm-hmm. and then they release the shoulders, and it does a similar thing. Mm. So, so what do you do in the midst of conflict? You've got people whether they're upset about catnapping mm-hmm. or they're upset about a, a business partnership or a divorce or whatever it is. So what do you do in there when they're in the midst of wanting to really, you know, express their anger and, and, and they're looking to you? What do you do so you don't get caught in that? Well, I do. I have a um, self-care practice, and I think it's really important as, as mediators and healers for us to have that practice and for anybody to really have that practice, which is to set healthy boundaries. Uh, one of the things I like to do is... I like to, I like to really ground my feet hmm. to the floor, and just feel really, really connected and stay in my body. Yes, it's easy to get into your head or out of your head, doesn't yeah. it? <laughs> yeah. yeah, and just it keeps me kind of present and deliberate. Yes. And I actually sometimes, uh, believe it or not, I visualize boundaries. I visualize putting people in bubbles mm. and putting myself in a bubble. That's interesting. Yeah, that's kind of similar to what I do with the with the golden shields, you know, Mm -hmm. but but yeah, yeah. And I think I think that visualization and that way of of seeing people Mm -hmm. and and what that's kind of a boundary watching Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. that really does help when you're visualizing it. It really does help. And I think even for anyone listening, if you're in a fight with someone, you can just put up those boundaries, whether it's the bubble or whether it's the golden shield, whatever it is, you can do that. And then do the things that you ground yourself, like what Arezu is saying, or you relax the muscles that are tightened. Whatever you do, you need to get yourself physiologically set, and then you need to set some boundaries any way that you possibly can in a visualization. It's a great idea. Yeah, or, or, you know, just even articulating what's going on in the room. I see that you're angry, and I'm not going to let your anger make me angry. Right, right. And acknowledging them, you, you know, you have, you're angry and you, you, from your perspective, you have every right to be angry. And so does the other side, but that doesn't get us any resolution. So. Right. And that's so, what you know. I think I use in the mediation, but, you know, in conflict, you know, I see that you're upset and, you know, I acknowledge that. And I, you know, also, you know, I understand that I, it doesn't help me or, or us for me to be upset now. Right, right. And, and it's, that's, people forget that, that this stuff is, is catching. It's worse than a cold. Mm-hmm. And, it's contagious. And it, it is contagious. The contag- dominant energy in the room, it will, if you don't ground yourself and, uh, it will, will, you can become uncentered. Yeah. And I bought these beautiful Asian bells. <laughs> and so when, when I feel that the room is getting very, um, intense, mm-hmm. I will, ring the bells Hmm. (laughs) and I tell everybody in part of my you know you know the mediator beginning you know when you talk about what are the ground rules and everything I said you see these bells here Mm -hmm. when I ring the bell 
everybody stops and listens to the bell until the sound stops. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they look yeah. at me like I am totally nuts, but it does break the cycle of the escalating conflict. And you know what? I, you know, I honestly, I keep perspective. I think that's one of the most important things is that I, I, you know, I keep my sense of humor. Yes. In the mediations. I really try to keep it light. Yes. And that's what really works for me is that I have a keen understanding that just life is just too short. Yes. Yes. So just keep your uh, perspective in the grand scheme of things. Things are not as, never as bad as you think they are. Right, right. You know, so and, it's just and levity. Right. And, and in every problem, there's a solution. I mean, it's hiding, but there is a solution in every problem. And if people remember that, it's just for us to discover what is that solution. Yeah. And there's always a gift. I, you know, I really, I find that there's always a gift in there. Sometimes we don't see it right away. Yes. But more, more likely than not, just like anything in, we, we forget that we're part of nature. Yeah. Right? Yes. And that in nature, everything happens as it should. And, and in our lives, uh, you know, we have to trust the process that things happen as they need to and as they should. For our highest good. And what you said before about, you know, that it is an opportunity for growth and that when conflict doesn't have to necessarily be a negative thing. No. Conflict lets us know that there's different perspectives and the conflict really is what creates change Mm -hmm. and it can create wonderful Mm -hmm. change Mm -hmm. or it can create chaos. Yeah. And it's always our choice. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, I got a kick out of the title of your first chapter, uh, and the, the name of the book is Healing Conflict, which, like I said, we're soul sisters somewhere, even though you're up in uh, Beverly Hills and I'm down here in Laguna Niguel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, um, you know, we, you're, the name of that chapter is Evolution Revo- Resolution. Revolution. Mm-hmm. Evolution Revolution. Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. so, so tell us, tell my audience what you meant by that. You know, I just really feel that we're at a crossroads right now where the human race wants to evolve, and we understand that, you know, this, doing the same things over and over again, the fight and flight, isn't, the fighting isn't really helping us. Um, it's kind of, I think, who was it Einstein who said, insanity is doing the same thing over and over again. And, and expecting something different, yeah. right, right. All, yeah, yeah. And so, you know, I think it's, Time And I think people really want to evolve. You know, people want peace in the world. And for that to happen, it's going to take for each individual to evolve. Yes. And how that happens is like, is like uh, you know, an infant wants to walk. And so it tries to walk and sometimes it falls down. It's the process of it, right? In mm-hmm. the adolescence, the ugly duckling stage or whatever, we don't question it. Well, our souls and humanity also want to evolve. And, you know, conflict is a huge impetus for the growth and maturity of our being and our, in our, in our journeys. And so, you know, fighting is, is a very actually immature state. And for us to evolve, we need to stop fighting because that's, kind of, that's uncivilized, right. really. And, you know, focus internally on bringing ourselves back into alignment and into a peaceful state. Because what happens when we are in a peaceful state? You know, there's going to be less conflict 
in general. Yes. And if there is a conflict, it's going to be more likely that it's going to be resolved more peacefully because we, we are less likely to become unglued and react. Exactly. Exactly. Now, in your second chapter, you, you called it Truth in Action. What does that mean to you? Truth is, you know, is, is really about being honest with yourself and really true to who you really are and what your values are in the world and in life. And, you know, doing that internal work, so anything that you do externally, uh, whether it's, it's speech or writing or anything that you do, is a byproduct of who you really are, an authentic extension and expression of yourself. And that's what I mean. Yes. And, you know, the word that we always use that I noticed you use as well is, and you have a chapter on this, is forgiveness. And a lot of people really don't understand forgiveness. And I just recently interviewed um, a wonderful man, Azim Kamisa. I don't know if you know who he is, Mm -hmm. but his son was murdered Mm -hmm. when he was 20 years old by a a gang member and his son was just delivering pizza. You know, Mm -hmm. he wasn't part of the gang. And this man not only forgave the, the gang member who did this to him, but actually started a foundation with the grandfather of this man, young man that, that was only 14 that killed his son. And he is working now to get this young man who killed his son out of jail to help him to, help with this foundation where they're trying to dissuade kids from joining gangs. And he has one of his books that we talked about that I read was called from murder to forgiveness. And people misunderstand often what forgiveness is. Let's talk what your perspective of forgiveness is. And we can kind of share because it was, I think it's really critical that that is one of the most important things that we have to learn to do, mm-hmm. to grow. Yeah, and it's not easy. It takes a lot of courage. So what is forgiveness to you? Well, I, you know, forgiveness is, is acceptance. I mean, for me, it's acceptance that, of things that, as the way they are, that, you know, things didn't turn out exactly the way we wanted them to. Yes. Or we had hoped. Yes. And so it's, it's, a, it's a generous act. It's forgiving, and it's, um, it's compelling because we, as when we don't forgive, you know, we can still stay stuck in the past. Exactly, and that's exactly what uh, Azim was talking about. And, you know, one of the things that I've learned in my life is that when you forgive, you give it up. You give it up for yourself mm-hmm. because when you carry around that anger and that resentment, mm-hmm. the other person doesn't even m- maybe know about it, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. it's not even hurting them. It's not doing anything. Mm-hmm. But people go, I don't want to forgive. That person doesn't deserve it. But it isn't about the other person mm-hmm. deserving. It's about you deserving mm-hmm. to give it up so you don't carry that that heavy burden with you. And it doesn't mean that you condone what they did. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what I think people think, well, if I forgive, that means that I'm condoning, but it doesn't. It's an entirely. No. And, you know, I, you bring up a point about, uh, you know, ourselves, and I think that's what we really need to focus on. A lot of times I, I find that people are more angry with themselves for whatever reason than they are with the other side. And so, you know, forgiveness is not just with the other side. We really need to realize that we need to forgive 
ourselves. Exactly, because all of us have things that we need to be accountable for. And you wouldn't believe it, but we are out of time. I want to thank you. It went fast, didn't it? Mm -hmm. So I want to thank Arizu Cohen, Mm -hmm. and she is the author of Healing Conflict. And why don't you just give your website, and then we'll need to go. Okay, terrific. It's Arizu. Actually, I'm changing it to just ArizuCohen.com. Okay. And it's A-R-E-Z-O-U. K-O-H-A-N.com, and the book is called Healing Conflict, and it's on Amazon. And I hope that we get to meet in the very near future. I would love that. Thank you, Mari. Okay, thank thank you for having the show. All right, thank you, honey. We'll be talking to you very soon. Okay, take care. Okay, you've been listening. Bye-bye. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. I'm Mari Frank, the host of prescriptions for healing conflict visit our website at conflicthealing.com and join us next monday at 8 30 a.m right here on kuci thanks it's about trust expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents.